Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody, welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Uh, hey, it's me, Jeff May. Oh, why, why are you, why, you're, you're buckling under the pressure. Oh, I can't handle it. It's, I, don't but, know, I don't know how to handle it. Is this how you're going to talk the whole episode? Uh, it might be, I don't know. <sighs> Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, that would said, be, it would be if you just had the show. a whole panic attack. I was conspiring be. to die on your show. That would have been a ratings bonanza. Quite the conspiracy. For sure. Uh, have you ever been on an episode of Conspiracy the Show? No. Crazy. Yeah. This has to be one of the only network shows you've never been on. Because Jeff's been on like, everything. I feel like it. I feel like maybe. Well, because it was back in the day, it was just you and Connor's show, right? For right. For a while. And then I uh, had took a sabbatical little break and then i came back and we started doing our own stuff and then i think you had like a rotating cast but it was just we, yeah we were we still so have busy a, doing our things that we still have a rotating cast of co-hosts on this podcast shout out to fizza olivia and laura not anymore not later. today later ladies out of the room ladies we're talking about sports it's time a straight white man gets the <laughs> mic god damn right finally White men get their voice heard on the internet in 2020. Yeah, we can't jump, so we just podcast. Exactly. Jeff and I, if anyone listening to this show is unaware, which they might be, this show has a whole other audience separate from yeah. the Unpops audience. Thanks to Spotify. If you go to Spotify and type in conspiracy, this is like one of the first things that comes up. It should. So we have a pretty robust spotify following that i think is just people that found us through this podcast so maybe we should just pretend those other podcasts don't even exist hello fellow conspirators but one of the other podcasts our podcast me and jeff well jeff also co-hosts the main unpopular opinion podcast with me when avail short for available saves me time when i talk but we have a podcast called you don't even like sports. You don't even like sports. You don't even um, like I sports. I would like to say that this is the most surprising reaction I've ever had to a podcast that I wasn't expecting. The How so? The fanfare for this show is very high, and I was expecting it to be like just around what it has always been. I didn't expect sort of the reviews to spike. Right. Uh, from what I've been hearing as much. Like when I did the show with Sideshow... I think it's really good and then the reactions are kind of what i expected i wasn't expecting this to have the spike in positive comments that it's gotten it's a good podcast oh it's great i it, think it's amazing it's uh as the name implies 
It's a podcast about sports for people who don't necessarily care about sports. So if you don't even like sports, you should listen to You Don't Even Like Sports. Right. You'll With you'll, a great intro, by the way. It has a fantastic intro courtesy of Jose Canseco. He did not know that he would be providing the intro. It's fine if he never finds out. I'm okay with it. I'd be okay with that. If he does find out, though, I'm fine with that, too. Yeah. Jeff can fight Jose Canseco. Yeah, probably can't. <laughs> Probably not. He's hit him in the nuts, but they're probably so small. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. And this, I think, makes for a good crossover podcast because we've talked about sports a whole lot on the Conspiracy Podcast. Just off the top of my head, we've done two episodes about Michael Jordan conspiracy theories. I would. It was one of them about the gambling yeah, one that he was actually suspended for gambling as yeah. opposed to retired for two years. Is the other one that his father was killed because of gambling? Yeah, we did one episode just about the gambling stuff, oh, okay. and then there's whole, a whole other series of conspiracies about oh, Jordan. Is it about his steakhouse? I don't think there's anything about his steakhouse. We should go to a steakhouse. I would go to a steakhouse right now, actually. But we should go to a Michael Jordan steakhouse. <laughs> Do they still exist? Or a Chris Webber steakhouse. We should. Well done. Extra ketchup. No, he wanted A1. A1, And he packed it up and took it home as a sandwich because they didn't have any. God love you, Chris Weber. We also talked about a few sports conspiracies that are my own theory. One, that baseball engineered the steroid scandal to cover for the amphetamine scandal. And also a pretty wild one that Trump's entire presidency is motivated by a desire for revenge against the NFL. But my favorite. That one must have seemed fun. That last one. Yeah, it was good. It was a, I feel like I made a compelling case. He's got a long history with the NFL. My favorite sports episode of the conspiracy pod, though, it was one we did with Brett Raider about how the NBA almost certainly rigged the 1985 draft. So the New York Knicks would get Patrick Ewing. Yeah. How'd that go for them? Won several almost championships. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a lot of bridesmaid you you just drafted a bridesmaid yeah basically and even on you don't even like sports and the podcast that preceded it which is called jose can cast we get a little conspiratorial on there the conseco podcast ends with a conspiracy theory about him and roger clemens yep that I would love to look into more, but that that's going to take like private investigators. Yeah, that's going to take like fucking freedom Balco. of information yeah. act requests. That's going to somebody going through Balco's trash, but Jose Canseco's trash. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to go through Jose Canseco's trash. No, well, maybe. What would you find in Jose Canseco's trash? Just a bunch of his rookie cards, probably. Oh, throws no. a few out every day. Yeah. Well, sorry, eighty six tops <laughs> traded, and the NBA rigged draft lottery episode ties in pretty nicely to what we're talking about today which is mob influence on the nba there it is which is this is a a rumor that once the italians were kicked out of the nba when they started letting blacks play they had to do something to get involved (laughs) exactly you know they were Uh, like hey we don't like it but uh, we can find a way to make money off it exactly yeah probably not far from the truth right off the bat this is my favorite kind of conspiracy theory because it's the kind that eventually is proven to be true yeah this is what it's we have factual evidence yeah to prove it's like mk ultra yeah was floated around as a theory for years and the government was always like nah 
And then we found those yeah. documents yeah. and they were like, oh, yeah, 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 we did all of that. Sorry. And it was kind of the same thing with betting and the NBA because the, there have been a lot of point shaving scandals. You mentioned one in college yeah, basketball. Yeah, the BC, uh, BC, the 19 in the late 70s, I want to say 77, 78, maybe 78, 79. Yeah. And I think the reason it's always been so tied to basketball is basketball is probably the easiest sport to fix. Well, of course it is. You can't fix football. No. You can't like run into the end zone and then realize that you're going to blow it. You're going to cover the spread. So you you fucking turn around and leave the end zone. Fake trip or something like that. Yeah, that would be so obvious. But with basketball, you can just miss a shot. And nobody's going to fault you really for missing a shot if you still win the game. Yeah. And just to to run people who are listening to this who aren't really sports fans, just to run you through a little bit of how it works. Whenever there's a bet on a game, there's kind of two things you're betting on. One, you're betting on the outcome, but also there's the point spread. So if, say, the Lakers are favored by 16 over the Cleveland Cavaliers, if you're betting that spread, the Lakers have to win by 16 points. Or 17 points. Or 17 points. Or you don't win, yeah. even if the Lakers won. So it's like the other team gets a spiritual handicap. Right. Yeah. And the way it works in basketball is all you really need is either a player who's willing to miss a few shots to make sure his team does or does not cover the spread, or you need a referee who's willing to call a lot of shady fouls to make sure a team does or does not cover the yeah. spread. Optimally, you want players, but a ref, a ref, it's not, wor- it's not the worst. It's not the worst silver medal, right? You know, and the plus refs do not make the money that NBA play. Like bribing an NBA player several thousand dollars. That's not. He's like, yeah, I make that already. Yeah, you would. You'd have to go either NBA ref or college player. Yeah, like a college player would be probably much easier to convince with hundreds of thousands of dollars so that that's kind of how it works is when people are betting on basketball they're betting on teams to cover the spread and that's where the the manipulation and things come into play and we're going to talk about definitely the most famous example of that well and the scoring is so high too that it also makes it easier to hide right like when you have that many shots being taken you know, the statistics will get lost. Yeah. And I read another thing that I'll link to it, but it was just someone posting on a NBA message board back in 2005. And this person was like, look, I do a lot of sports betting. I lost $200,000 at one point during March Madness. Let me tell you how manipulation in these games works. And he described everything we described But he said they also will target games during the week when people are paying a little less attention. And the games on the weekend, they'll just let them play out the way they play out. Mm -hmm. And then they'll influence games during the week that one team is favored by a whole lot. Because no, it's not going to raise any eyebrows if the Lakers win by 14 instead of 13. Yeah. Like, no one's going to question that. And that's where illicit gamblers make a ton of money we should do that we probably we should, should start betting on like wide spreaded professional games and during the weeks yeah we should become degenerate gamblers that wouldn't be a bad i've i've thought about not so much a degenerate gambler but i feel like it'd be all right as a day trader because i'm good at spotting a trend and connecting dots 
And yeah, I, you should do that. I feel like I would be all right at that, but you also have to have a ton of money to invest up front. And not really. No, you can get you can do like a couple hundred bucks to start, and then uh, not to do options trade. I've looked into it. You oh. got to have a certain amount in your account. Let's do like a let's do like a little fundraiser. Yeah, yeah. We'll do a Kickstarter to help yeah, us become Kickstarter <laughs> gamblers. Help us become fiduciary gamblers. Help Adam get a new addiction, please. Cool it now. You got <laughs> to slow it down. Ooh, watch out. That's new, new addiction, not new addition. Oh. Yeah. Jane says, <laughs> done with Sergio. That's that's that, right? That was. Okay. That was exactly what I was referring to. Famous day trader, Perry Farrell. <laughs> And yeah, rumors of mob influence on basketball go way, 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 way back. And like rumors isn't even, it's like easy speculation. Right. One of the earliest examples I found was Bob Cousy, who is an NBA legend. Uh, I don't know anybody from Boston that is corrupt. I, I don't understand. Yeah, it's surprised that someone who played for the Celtics and lived in the Boston area would fall in with organized crime. Our logo looks like a mob guy. A little bit, yeah. It's yeah. just like a guy with like a cane smoking a pipe at a basketball game. Like that's, <laughs> It looks pretty fucking shady. Yeah. And as it turns out, Bob Cousy was super tight with the Genovese crime family. Oh, like very, very tight, like weeped during an interview while talking about his good times with the Genovese crime family tight. Happy weeped, not sad. He was reminiscent. Wept? Wept. Weeped. Weeped? Web- weapons. Weapon. He weaponized the Genovese he, he did. crime family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He killed them. That's a real fixing. That's a real fixing scheme. <laughs> hey, I need you to, I need you to break this guy's legs. <laughs> uh, even worse, the guy he was reminiscing about hanging out with, and this is an interview from Time Magazine from like 1967. The guy he was talking about was Andrew Pradella. Guess what his job was with the mob? Was he a bookie? Adam? He was a bookmaker for the mob. Uh. And he also, Bob Cousy also once bragged about going to a party with, quote, the whole mob. Mob deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy died choking on an egg. Guy from Mob Deep. That's choking how he on did. an egg? He choked on an egg in the hospital. I don't understand how eggs could harm anybody. I know. I know. That's like mm-hmm. you're, I'm surprised you haven't. Statistically speaking, that should be I, you yeah, and not I, Prodigy from Mob Deep. Yeah. I had six eggs today. No way. Yeah. Come on. And these really great zucchini patties that you, they're frozen and you kind of cook them. They're really tasty. Okay. So there's that. But. In that same interview, he just kind of openly admits to discussing games and players and like inside information with this crime family that would presumably go out and bet money on those games using information that they got from Bob Cousy. Like the 60s were like the NBA. I always think was it like, was it huge or was it just like around? It was pretty big in the 60s and 70s. It kind of dipped in the 80s and then Magic and Bird brought it back it was pretty early in the 80s i guess right yeah yeah it just seems so weird to me that he's like in fucking time magazine everyone's like bob Cousy's great yeah and i feel like no athlete transgression prior to 1980 matters to anyone at all yeah 
Like it's like fuck it. We never talk about amphetamines and sports and all those players for decades and decades who had that like advantage. The Oakland Raiders or, or the Rams, the St. Louis Rams that were all jacked up on roids. And yeah, shit. and Bob Cousy, he was just awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2019. I mean, meanwhile, mention that really tracks. A white NBA legend with mob ties was given a medal of freedom by fucking Donald Trump. No way. Yeah, it's probably the mob ties that got him the medal, not so much the basketball stuff. He's like, can you get me an in? (laughs) Can you get me tickets to a Celtics game? Can you get me tickets to a mob game? (laughs) But like, try suggesting that Pete Rose should be reinstated, even though he gambled on sports. And every sports writer over the age of 50 is going to clutch their pearls. Like it's the most insane suggestion. The same Meanwhile, people who hold who hold like racist ball players up, right? Like that. Yeah. The award for the best college point guard is called the Bob Cousy Award. Still, yeah, it is. And this dude was probably like, there's no evidence he bet on games, but it's the '60s. What kind of evidence do you think you're going to find? Yeah. What are you going to find? Yeah, I saved my receipts. Yeah, I just log into my account. You can see it. Check out my. My Check out fucking, my FanDuel. My, yeah, my, <laughs> Bob Cousy on FanDuel in the 60s. b Coos. <laughs> he didn't even hide his name. So the, the moment when the idea that mob influence was still involved in the NBA all kind of comes to a head in 2007. A real a house of cards starts to fall. To say the least. And it all involves an NBA referee named Tim Donahue. Who's still alive, right? Still alive. Real surprise. Yeah. Like, that's a huge surprise that he's still alive. He kind of reminds me. He was beaten in prison. Of course he was. There were articles about that by someone uh, connected to the mob. No. Yeah. Imagine that. But as the official story goes, NBA referee Tim Donahue spent the entire 2006 season betting on games he officiated And that's sort of where the NBA chose to leave the story, (laughs) that he was just this rogue ref doing rogue things and everyone else was on the up and up. But it's actually way, way worse than they're suggesting. For one thing, Tim Donahue started betting on games he was refereeing at least as far back as 2004. And there's a few different resources you can check out if you want the really in-depth details of how this scandal worked. I think the best one is there's an ESPN investigation uh, that's called How Tim Donahue Conspired to Fix NBA Games. If I Did It by Tim Donahue. (laughs) And we'll link to it on the website. But they do a pretty good job running through all of the important timeline points and details about this case it's funny where the corruption starts when you look back in 1998 and it's like oh where most real crime is happening the golf course at a fucking country club yeah yeah Yeah. of course of fucking course yeah tim donahue in 1998 joins some fucking golf club and one of the people in this his circle of golfing buddies is a guy named jack concannon which is kind of a cool name it sounds like a pulp a pulp writer gave him that name. Yeah, yeah. Con Cannon. Also in the group was a sports bookie named Peter Ruggieri. R- Ruggieri, I believe. Ruggieri. 
Petey, Peter Ruggieri. What's really funny is as we start going through the names, they become like each one amps up the mafia sounding. Right. Like every time a new name is introduced, it's like they leveled. It's like an evolved. <laughs> it's like the Pokemon of mafia. It's yeah. They yeah. Keep, they You're keep beating evolving. a new boss yeah, every yeah. time and they just get scarier. Initially, Donahue and Concanon pooled their money together to bet on NFL and college football games based on Ruggieri's handicapping Why system. They- pool their money together that's weird right no because as an nba official tim donahy is that's why yeah only allowed to bet on horses yeah you can't bet on any other sports but you can bet on horse racing and then he became a horse racing ref he became well he became a horse yeah is what happened next right (laughs) because he wasn't he was being stubborn it was a dressage accident so that alone is a violation of NBA rules. He was not supposed to be betting on sports. But in 2003, they decide to start betting on NBA games. And not just that, they decide to start betting on NBA games that Donahue was refereeing. And that's a big no-no, obviously. Yeah. Like if you have control over how that game might play out, you're not supposed to bet money on it. Obviously. There's a part of me that was always hoping that like Donaghy would see someone was about to score. And so we'd just like run up and like block them. Yeah. Just at, he would accidentally fall and knock them over. Oh yeah. no. We're like literally just jump up and swipe it out of the way. <laughs> Not in my house. Initially the bookie Peter Ruggieri didn't realize the bets Concanon was placing were made in conjunction with Donaghy. What he did notice though, was that all of the sudden Concanon was betting more and winning constantly and he assumed there had to be a pattern yeah it is funny like once something doesn't appear random anymore you're like why are they cheating and how like how are they cheating yeah absolutely and as luck would have it he was part of a collective of sports gamblers who called themselves the company and or the animals it's like one's their real name and one's their drunk name (laughs) kind of yeah everyone in this group had an animal nickname it's like the fuck it's such a frat bro thing to do it really is i don't i don't even have it in the notes but what they did is this group of gamblers called the company remember there was that early 2000s kind of boom in online gambling where everyone was like going to a foreign country to set up a gambling website and to go on DraftKings. yeah and eventually all of those most of those got shut down but this this group of gamblers, they went to uh, Curacao, I believe it's called Curacao. Curacao, yeah. And set up a gambling company. And Peter Ruggieri was running all of Concanon's bets through this gambling company they set up. And since it was all online, that meant he had access to all of the bets, yeah. all of Concanon's betting history. And so he starts analyzing it. And sure enough, they find out that all of these games that Concanon is betting are games that are refereed by Tim Donahue, and he's wow. winning like 88% of those games, which... Pretty good numbers. That's a pattern. So what they did is they started following that pattern, and they would bet on games that Donahue bet. But instead of betting $500 a game like Jack Concanon was... They were betting anywhere from like 30000 to to $100,000 per game. And Yeesh. 
They also started studying the box scores of the games he refereed, and they noticed something interesting. He almost always called more fouls against the team he bet against and less fouls against the team he bet on. What a surprise. And that part's really important because that's the the whole point. Yeah. Well, the NBA has always asserted that he just bet on his own games, but he didn't fix games. And he clearly was fixing games by calling an inordinate amount of fouls. It's a fix. The fix is in. The fix is in, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) This whole thing is just smells rotten. Also important. At one point, someone within the animals, a guy named Jimmy Batista. Hey, hey, it's hey. Jimmy, Jimmy Baba Black Sheep Batista. That's his actual nickname. Baba Black Sheep. Yes. <laughs> and he must have been pissed when he got out of that mafia christening. <laughs> yeah, there's like Rhino and all these other badass yeah, that, animals. He's, he's the Mr. Pink of that. He's Baba Black Sheep. And he decides they need to reach out to Donahue directly and set up their own arrangement. And a mutual acquaintance within the animals sets up that meeting and accounts differ as to how it actually went. Uh, According to statements Donahue made to law enforcement officials, it was basically extortion that you say that it's going to get you beat in prison. Yeah, but that's what he claimed is that, you know, people knew what he was doing and they showed up and they not only said that they would out him if he didn't work with them, but also that people from New York might come to his house if he didn't comply. Like Patrick Ewing? Right. Patrick Ewing, John Starks, all the greats, Willis Reed. All the the real classics of New York (laughs) Nictum. Yeah. Obviously, Batista claims it did not go that way at all, and Donahue was really enthusiastic to go along with the plan. I could believe both. Yeah, if I can add some color commentary and analysis here, though, Donahue comes away from this meeting with an agreement that will give him $2,000 per game, which that's low. That's yeah. really low for the amount. more than that with the bets. Yeah, and the one thing that's kind of implied is that Jack Concanon wasn't being completely honest with Donahue about how much money they were winning, so Donahue might have been bothered by that. But two thousand per game, like at one point, these this gambling ring is betting, like I said, thirty to a hundred thousand dollars on each game. So if they're winning those bets, they're getting a ton of fucking cash. That's a lot of money. And Donahue comes away with it with two away from it with two thousand per game. It feels like he might have been kind of coaxed into doing this. Yeah, but it's some uh, nice life. There it would be a shame if something would have happened to it. Yeah. And it seems like that's kind of the the proposition he was given. Hello, you've got a call from people from New York. People (laughs) from New York are on the other line. Just want to pick that up. The way the scheme worked was that Batista and Donahue would speak through a middleman named Tommy Martino. Hey, (laughs) you've leveled up. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? My name's Tommy Martino. It's good to talk to you. Okay, real quick. We're going to talk about some basketball games. How you doing? That's probably how it sounded. And even the none of these people are directly involved with the mob, but we'll get to how the mob is involved. Polly and Tommy aren't uh, <laughs> aren't mob mob. Well, really? they're not made. They have connections, but they're not like made family mob family members. And the way this scheme would work is every night, or uh, sometimes very early in the morning, Donahue would call Tommy Martino, and if during their conversation. 
Donahue mentioned Martino's brother, Johnny. That meant to bet on the home team because Johnny lived in New Jersey, just like Tommy Martino. If he mentioned his brother, Chuck, it meant to bet on the road team because Chuck lived out of state. So Fucking Chuck, it's all, this all boils down to Chuck, doesn't it? It sure does. Chuck, Chuck, Bobuck, the, banana, the, fan of Fofuck. <laughs> you said Bobuck. Yeah, this, like, it's not like Nazi code breaker shit, but they came up with a, a, a scheme. It's, it's enough. Yeah. And Batista would do a few things with that information. First, I found this part fascinating. Apparently, the betting, sports betting market works a lot like the stock market. Yeah. In that it opens early in the morning and the point spreads they can shift fluctuate the day, yeah. throughout the course of the day. So what Batista would do is he would take this information from Donahue and first he would hit the Asian betting markets and place a bunch of bets against for the team he didn't want to win. Mm-hmm. Because what that would do is it would make the the betting markets would get the impression that Somewhere someone has information that has led them to believe the underdog is going to win. So then that point spread would start getting a little bit smaller and the smaller, the yeah, smaller and the smaller it was, the cheaper it was to bet on the yeah. game. So they would manipulate that point spread bet when it was most financially viable and then go in and place all these bets on the team they actually wanted to win. So they're like basically influencing the stock market. And he would he would do that, but then he would also take this information and spread it around to this huge group of sports bettors. And this is where the mob connection comes in. Yeah, because no one directly involved in this is a made member of a crime family. But the people Batista was sharing his betting info with in a lot of cases very much were and find that hard to believe. I know. Can you believe it? And none of them are in prison anymore. Go figure. Poor guys. And they were all betting hundreds of thousands of dollars on Donahue games. No one knows for sure how much people won, but it's estimated that one individual could have taken in up to one hundred million dollars while this scheme lasted seems all right that's a nice haul for just uh having inside information on nba games like you're printing money yeah we gotta start gambling man we do how do we but i don't want to do it fair like i want to i want to win all the time like working to understand sports sucks yeah like you have to be like oh well you know this guy's stats are like that he's fucking nerds yeah i've gotten way more into sports since Trump has been in office because I used to, I would just sit around and work all day and I would have like CNN or something on in the background. And it got to a point where I just, one, I don't, I don't trust CNN any more than Trump does. So there's that. And also it just got to be so fucking depressing that now when I work, I mostly just have ESPN on in the background so I'm actually great with sports now, except like hockey and shit. I still don't. But ESPN doesn't care about hockey either. That's a Fox Sports situation right there. Yeah. I'm not watching Fox Sports. So yeah, I've gotten way more into sports recently. It's been nice. You don't even like sports. You don't even like sports. You don't even like sports. You dick. Uh, and yeah, speaking of the mafia connections to this, it all comes crashing down because of an investigation into the Gambino crime family. 
As it turns out, the five big crime families in New York, the Genovese's, the Lucchese's, the Bonanos, the Colombo's, the Gambino's, all have an entire FBA, FBI unit dedicated to investigating them full time. The FBA, <laughs> WNBA unit. Can you imagine like living under that kind of pressure? knowing the FBI has an entire wing dedicated to your family and they're just investigating you all the time and you're still a crime family. Amazing. That's good. That's efficiency, right? The there. tenacity. It's, it's intangibles like that that make a great make you, criminal. Yeah. That's really, it really is all about the intangibles. <laughs> it is. It's about, about the fundamentals. Yeah. It's about the intangibles. These people know how to shave points. <laughs> exactly but yeah it is interesting that they're that they're like the full there's full like somebody get makes like a group of people make probably like 75 to eighty five thousand dollars a year just studying what these yeah people are doing for the fbi and the people keep doing it and getting away with it they got like none no one who was crime family related in this scheme ends up going to jail but the way it happened in 2007 a guy named phil scala was the head of the unit in charge of investigating the Gambinos. And one day, one of his squad's informants, just out of the blue, delivered a tip about how an NBA referee was in the pocket of some people in the sports gambling underworld. Tips. Tips. You got tips? Got any tips? Give me that map. Give me those bets. Fuck you. (laughs) Uh, None of the people involved, again, were mob-connected, but a team of Gambino family members in Brooklyn had caught wind of the scheme and how it worked and started placing bets on their own, millions of dollars in bets. Damn, dude. And that connection got the FBI involved. uh, An investigation ensued. Craziest part, this all happened in October 2006, Two months before the meeting with Donahue and Batista even happened. Oh, so the Magi. they were right. So they were onto this scheme before it even became a big thing. So he was definitely fixing games even before he had that meeting. Not long after that, the FBI figured out who the ref in question was, arrested a bunch of people. Batista and Donahue got 15 months in prison. Tommy Martino got a year. I feel like Donahue should have gotten more. Probably. Like, yeah, because he was also doing the thing. Yeah, he, he wasn't just he wasn't just cons- conspiratizing, and he was conspiring. That's conspiring. The, he, was just, <laughs> he, was, he wasn't just conspiring. He was also like, yeah, that's a good idea. We should do that. Yeah, and then he's like, does it? And then he does it. You know. And then he goes to prison for fifteen months, and then gets out, and he's like, takes a couple of beatings. He's written a book since then. You know, he probably goes on the lecture circuit and does talks there is a movie about this now it looks terrible starring will sasso and scott wolf you know i'm in from party of five from mad tv and party of five yeah which that's actually what inspired this episode i was scrolling through shit on amazon and was like oh that movie looks terrible but i want to talk about this case uh did you get the movie no i didn't is it free on amazon prime no you have to rent it yeah i'm not gonna pay money to watch it that's that's crazy and uh the the ESPN investigation that we mentioned earlier, that literally ends with Tim Donahue having a conversation with someone right before he's about to go to jail. And Tim Donahue's freaking out about how his life is over. And the guy just goes, oh, this just sounds like a movie to me. We'll just make a movie. And sure enough, it's a fucking movie now. So all these people are doing great. Yeah. 
which that's how I mean he's living how white collar crime works. Yeah, he's living in disgrace, but he's not not living right. So once there's an there's another sort of conspiracy within this conspiracy because we know the Tim Donahue stuff happened, but then there's the NBA's investigation. Here's the true part of the conspiracy, the part that's like the most because it's not so much a conspiracy when it's already been solved kind right of thing we, we have that so right. where it is where does the sort of there's a mystery come there's in? basically another conspiracy that happens right after this that w- makes much sense yeah phil scala makes a pretty huge miscalculation once he has all this information he goes to the nba and sits down with david stern and is like look one of your refs is betting on his own games we think he's fixing games and we're going to investigate and the nba was like sure yeah you have our full cooperation don't you worry about it we want to get to the bottom of this and then his next step in that investigation was going to be to have tim donahue wear a wire and go to other nba refs who were also fixing games or betting on games and get them to admit it on wire so they could take down everyone in the NBA who was dirty. And before he could do that, someone went to the New York Post and said, hey, the FBI is investigating a bunch of NBA refs, uh, including Tim Donahue. And the New York Post publishes this story. And now Tim Donahue obviously can't wear a wire and go, hello, fellow corrupt officials. How do you do, fellow (laughs) corruptioners? So it like blew up the FBI's investigation and their suspicion is that the NBA is who leaked the story to the New York Post because they didn't want this story to yeah. go any further. So scandalous. Yeah. It's already scandalous. We're talking about it. Right. So like imagine if it was like 14 other refs. Right. And it probably there were obviously a few if Tim Donahue knew he could wear a wire and go talk to these people and get the information out of them. And the NBA was from the start or from the jump you might say very concerned with limiting the investigation into this and making the ending narrative that Tim Donahue was a rogue official who just bet on his own games. Tell the truth. (laughs) So after they, they blow up this investigation, the, the NBA ends up doing their own investigation into this. And one of the things they did to prove that he wasn't fixing games is they analyzed a sample of the games he officiated and they were like no impropriety sorry and the thing is they did a sample of like 10 games there's only like 60 games in question yeah so like you could have easily just gotten all the games you could have watched them all you're the nba you definitely have access and espn in their investigation manages to track down all of his games and they come to the same conclusion that that sports betting ring did back when this all started which is that tim donahue was calling fouls improperly to influence the outcome of the game at an insanely high level yeah and if you watch any of these games or if you read the espn article they have a bunch of different examples where he would call like 14 fouls on one team and five on the other team or like when it was just in garbage time when refs kind of have let it loose a little bit of leeway he would be very literal in his interpretation of what a foul was and it if you analyze it it's very obvious he was fixing these games but the nba has always asserted that he did not well you got to protect the brand 
Yeah, obviously. But eventually, like, once there's one ref, wouldn't you want to just like, well, I guess not. Like, you don't want it to come out. No, you want it one. You want a rogue lone wolf. You don't want an entire conspiracy that makes your entire season nullified. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's like very clear. It's why the NFL wouldn't cover a lot of like the the CTE stuff. Right. it, It goes through or even when baseball was dealing with steroids. Like they wanted it so internal and they were like, ah, we will, we will have our own thing. Yeah. Rule. And not really. Cause they don't want that black eye, you know? Yeah. And so that, that's kind of where this story was left in well, terms of history well, is they, that Donahue was a lone wolf who was just betting, not couldn't fixing. fix games. They, they even, I think they went as far as to say that fixing games was like impossible. Yeah. They said there's too many moving parts and too many people watching an NBA game to fix it. But I think that's why you could fix it. There's so many figured, moving parts. I think we figured out how. Yeah. Like we have the map. Yeah. And it's, if it's not a ref who's calling fouls, like, I don't care how many moving parts are. You're not going to notice if a player intentionally misses three or four shots in a night yeah. to to keep the spread manageable. Yeah. Like, there's no way you're going to notice that. No way. No way, Jose. No, there's no way you're going to notice that. <laughs> Come on, man. Don't be crazy. Wow, how would you even see it with your eyes? The NBA has so much integrity. Man, it really does not. People, I don't know if the the, the NBA draft episode was a, a, a Patreon-only thing, but we'll put it out publicly next time the NBA draft rolls around. It's fascinating. Like, the David Stern definitely, there's video, and you can see his eyes are just trained on the envelope that he needs to pull out the whole time those envelopes are being shuffled. Like, he knew what the fuck he was doing. But... Fuck you, David Stern. Come on, David. Well, he's dead now. Good. Fuck you, David Stern. Fuck you, ghost of David Stern. Fuck you, deaded Stern. Oh. <laughs> Fuck you, Daniel Stern. <laughs> right? Who's that? He's the actor. Uh, he was the voice of uh, the narrator on The Wonder Years. He was. Uh, oh, sure. He was uh, Marv in the Home Alone films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he was in Camp Nowhere. But no, no, that wasn't him. Yeah, you're right. Fuck that guy, too. And hey, I think that's. The, well, that. It is worth pointing out that with the NBA saying, well, not only did he not fix games, you can't fix games. Games are still being fixed by the mob. The most recent example in 2019, November 2019, so just a few months ago. Recently. Uh, members of the Colombo family were arrested over a scheme to influence the outcome of college basketball games. What do you say? You got the, you got a basketball there? <laughs> is, that, is that a topical impression? That was pretty good. Will you bounce the basketball up and down? Show me how you do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this happens. It happened in the NBA. It probably still happens in the NBA. Of course it does. I don't even know. I wouldn't even say probably. It for sure still happens. And I'm sure it happens to some extent in all the other sports. If we were to look into it, like sports betting is such a huge industry. It's harder. Like I would say basketball and baseball are the two easiest baseball. You think? Yeah, man. You just have a fucking a player fucking swing and miss. That's the whole Black Sox scandal. That was the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Like, you know, you get a productive player to have a bad day. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should look into that. Hockey corruption seems weird. Doesn't hockey seem like a uh, one where you're just like, oh, they're just all bad people, but they're not corrupt people. Yeah. It seems like it, it, 
you would go to hockey if you wanted to recruit people to help you to influence mob, yeah. another yeah. sports league. Yeah, they have enforcers just like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> the two things that are well known for having enforcers are hockey and the mob. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, football seems like it would be very hard to fix. Football, I feel like you would have to do through officiating again. And a kicker. Yeah, a kicker would help. Yeah, like, but then again, it's the other thing, too, is like if you have a bad game as a kicker, like if you blow your four shots or whatever as a kicker, then you lose your job and you don't get paid. Right. Yeah, Cody Parkey for the Bears the season before last. One game against Detroit, he missed four field goals and every one of them hit the upright. It's like those should have been four points each. That is impressive. Yeah, Jesus. That is amazing. I remember. In the, and we lost in the playoffs that way. In the replacements, the the Keanu Reeves football team film. Sure. They, um, the kicker has a gambling problem and he he's supposed to shag a, a fucking field goal. And it's, he tells Shane Falco, Keanu Reeves, he takes the, the ball away. Two point conversion. Oh. Or touchdown instead of field goal or something. But he saves him. Yeah, I'm glad I've never gotten into gambling. It seems like the worst addiction. I like trash gambling. I like taking like $200 to like somewhere in Vegas and like playing shitty games and just having fun and then leaving yeah. and then leaving. Yeah, that's that's fine. But like I love trash gambling. Like I knew when I lived in South Dakota, there they just have video lottery machines everywhere. Like gas stations are also casinos in South Dakota. Fuck yeah, dude. And there would be like dudes who would come in on a Friday and just fucking blow their entire paycheck and then have to go home and probably explain that to the wife and kids. And they just keep doing it. Yeah. Well, it's gambling is an addiction. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a crazy addiction. I have rules for going into casinos. Like I, I will only bring in cash. I won't bring a card. Oh yeah. So I can't go to an ATM and take more money out. I just don't like being in a casino. It makes me sad. I feel like I'm just, I can feel the weight of all the bad decisions being made in there. I like, I like a fun casino. I like a, I like sitting down at a Britney Spears slot machine <laughs> and having that. I'm going to Vegas this weekend. I'm telling you, man. Maybe I'll do some gambling the while Goonies I'm watching Mariah machine. Carey. I hate the Goonies movie. That slot machine has treated me very well. Very nice. Very nice. Very nice. So that's our episode. That is our sode. Don't believe the NBA. Tim Donahue fixed those games. Don't believe any institution that needs to protect its integrity and, the, and has to like self-investigate. Yeah. The NBA is like the cops. Oh, we're looking into it. Oh, I'm sure you are. Yeah. But that's our sode. Yeah, it is. We did it. Yeah, we did. We made it to the end. Everyone should check out You Don't Even Like Sports. You don't even like sports. With me and Jeff May. Hey, that's, that's me. Hi. That's who's been on this episode Hi. the entire time. Sure has been. Uh, Jeff, do you have anything to plug? Yeah, man. I got a lot of shows in a lot of places, man. You can check out, obviously, uh, you don't even like sports on the Unpopular Opinion Network. You can also check out Sideshow's Sideshow with Jeff May. That is through Sideshow Collectibles. So if you're a nerd, that one's for you. You're a nerd. You can check out the Adam Todd Brown episode. It's real fun. It is. It's the best. Uh, you can check out Tom and Jeff watch Batman on Gamefully Unemployed, and where me and Tom Ryman uh, watch Batman and then talk about it. Real fun. And then if you like live comedy, Mint on Card is the second Friday of every month at Blast from the Past on Magnolia in Burbank, California. I don't like live comedy. You don't like live stand-up? Well, then you're a bad person. You don't um, even like comedy. You don't, I do. Uh, let's go to a steakhouse. 
Let's go to a steakhouse. Let's go to a steakhouse. We're going to go eat a fucking steak. Yeah, we're going to go eat a steak or something. Eat that steak with some fricassee. Well, you all get a gumbo steak? <laughs> gumbo steak down now with a fricassee? Let's get out of here. Jeff, say goodbye. I'll see you later there, Bonton. Goodbye, <laughs> everybody. We love you. Good day, Bonton Rolet. <laughs>